0: Thanks for being here. Let's begin.
1: Welcome to the Rankings Podcast, where we feature top
0: founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys and share their inspiring stories.
1: Now, let's get started with the show.
0: Chris Stryer here, CEO and founder of Rankings.io, where we help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings. You're listening to the Rankings podcast, where I feature top business owners, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys. Speaking of elite personal injury attorneys, I have Gabriel Levin on the show today. Gabe is the founder of the Levin Firm, a Philadelphia personal injury law firm. Gabe prides himself on preparing every case for trial. While some attorneys view trial as a last resort, he prepares with the assumption that his client's case will be decided by the jury. Due to this preparation, he has obtained millions of dollars in compensation for his clients. Gabe, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Happy to have you here. And let's just dive right in. So how did you get started? Where did the idea come from to create
1: the Levin Firm? Sure. So um, when I uh graduated law school. I started as a public defender in Philadelphia. And I did that for uh, three years. When I was in law school, the, the, the aspect of the law that interests me the most were trials. And I loved being in the courtroom. And it occurred to me um, through the interviewing process out of law school that I was never going to see a... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, sorry. That's okay. i going to mute this. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. All right. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, So it occurred to me I was never going to see the courtroom and I um, unless I became a a public defender or a district attorney um, because they start in the courtrooms. And um, I spent a lot of time studying trial advocacy. I was very successful at it in law school. And so I went on to become a public defender and loved it. And I uh, day one was in the courtroom. And so I spent the first three years of my practice doing that. And then um, I started my firm, and I was really a a criminal defense attorney at first. I did almost exclusively criminal defense. In fact, I tell people when I started my firm, I couldn't sue my way out of a paper bag. I I didn't know, I had never done it, and I didn't know anything about uh, civil litigation. So um, uh, in doing uh, private criminal defense, I tell everybody that the Phillies are the reason that I practice law the way I practice it now. And I go, how's that possible? I said, well, in 2008, um, the Phillies won the World Series. And if you know anything about Philadelphia, uh, we had gone a very long time without any success in the city. And so when the Phillies won the World Series and we were world champions, the city lost its mind and millions of people came out. And um, uh, there's a major street that runs through the center of Philadelphia called Broad Street and Broad Street was filled with like a million people and they were cheering and um, it went all night and there was a lot of drinking and uh, uh, at one point the police decided they were going to clear the street and I uh, represented a guy who was on South Broad and his friends were on the other side of the street and so he uh, tried to cross the street and unbeknownst to him he was There was no more crossing the street, according to the police. And as he crossed the street, he was surrounded by about five or six police officers who uh, beat him with metal asps and uh, uh, rendered him unconscious. In fact, his back, I had a picture of his back, looked like a zebra with 12 inch long black and blue marks that were just crisscrossing all up and down, 40, 50 of them up and down his back. And they had hit him in the head and uh, a grapefruit sized hematoma had formed on the back of his head and it was split open and held together by staples in the emergency room. It was, the guy was in really bad shape. And uh, they charged him with aggravated assault against them. Okay, which is uh, kind of the modus operandi of police officers who utilize brutality, Um, is that they cover up the brutality by arresting the person they brutalize and charging them. And uh, so this guy comes to me and Um, uh, Needs representation and I agree to uh, represent him and I end up uh, taking him to trial and we he's acquitted of all the charges And he's hugging me and we're leaving the courtroom And I said to him, you know what those officers did to you was screwed up We should we should really do something about it. I think we should sue them And uh, the my client said to me, well, how much does that cost? and I said, well, I I think I just take a percentage of whatever I recover. I don't even charge you. I've never done it before, but I think that's how it works. And he goes, well, if you're not charging me, I'm in, I'm ready to go. And so, um, and so kind of panicked that I had suggested we do this. I go back to my office and I, I, again, I never sued anyone at this point in my career. I didn't know anything about civil litigation. And I, um, I went on, I think I went on Google and just searched like a civil rights complaint just to see what one looked like. And I basically copied its structure and put my client's name into it and filed it. And I didn't know, I mean, I didn't even know to serve the other side with interrogatories or request for documents. The only thing I knew is that I get to talk to the officers because that's what I did in court all the time as a criminal defense attorney. And so I I sent uh, a notice to depose the police officers. And I sent the pictures of my client's injuries to the city and uh, the, guy, the solicitor shows up in my office and he says to me, um, I gotta talk to you in your office. And I go, okay, I'd never done a deposition before so I, I presumed that there was like a conversation you had in your office before a deposition started. So I was like playing it off like, oh, the, you know, the conversation you have before a deposition starts, great, let's go do that in my office. So the guy came into my office, he sits down, I have because I have a take it or leave it offer um, and if we do these depositions, the offer is off the table. And so I said, uh, he goes, I'm going to offer you $175,000 to settle this case right now. And, um, I said, okay, well, let me talk to my client and my client comes in the office. I go, he they just offered us $175,000 and he jumps into my arms and we start dancing in my office. We are that excited about the result. And, um, and on that case, I made more money than I made in almost two years of being a public defender. So at the time, it was an extraordinary amount of money for me and um, I got a great result for a client. And um, I enjoyed representing the individual and, and, and uh, seeking justice for them. And so at the end of that case, I went to my partner and I said, um, you can have all of the criminal cases that I have. And any new clients that call for me, I'm gonna give them to you for criminal matters. And I'm gonna start the civil side of our firm. I'm gonna start representing injured people. And that's how it started. From there, I went on to, uh, you know, the difference between a police brutality case and a car accident is not much. These cases are about proving harm and uh, causation of that harm. And so I went to car accidents, I went to premises liability, products liability, medical malpractice, we did all of that. And I just slowly kind of taught myself civil litigation. And now it's, it's, you know, hundred percent of what we do.
0: Well, that's an incredible story. That's uh, and, and I, I think the individual you're referring to is that, is that Brian, is that Brian Zeiger?
1: Yep, that's Brian yep. Zeiger. So Good he guy. still does um, uh, uh, criminal defense and he's, and does uh, civil rights litigation. But um, the kind of the PI side outside of civil rights is uh, my half of the firm.
0: That's, that's incredible. So. You know, you, you make this decision. You're like, oh, I'm going in. Right. I'm going to be a personal injury attorney. I'm yeah. going to do these cases. You know, now you got to get the cases. Yeah. So what, what, what was the turning point? Where did you start to, to was it just kind of networking, building your sphere of influence? Was it, was it uh, how, did you, how did you hustle to, to, to kind of turn the firm to where you could get these consistent cases?
1: Right. So, so it actually happened before I made the decision to go into PI. And it was more of a philosophy change on marketing. When I, when I started my firm, I knew nothing about business and I knew nothing about marketing. And I erroneously thought that based on my reputation, people would just call me because I had a lot of success in the public defender's office and I won a lot of trials. And um, I was delusional in believing that that reputation somehow permeated outside of that building into the general uh, public of Philadelphia, which it did not. And so when I started my firm, I spent a lot of time on the internet reading ESPN because no one was calling me. In fact, from time to time, I would pick up my phone to make sure the dial tone was there because I figured this, there has to be a mistake, right? Why are people not calling me? And so um, at some point, uh, I, I I had gotten on the appointment list, so I had a little bit of work, but really I was barely scraping by and I decided I have to market because if people don't start calling me, I'm going to go out of business and I didn't want to go out of business. So this was back in 2005. And at the time, uh, the Yellow Pages was something people used, believe it or not, it seems crazy today, (laughs) but the Yellow Pages was actually a form of advertising. It's certainly the only form of advertising I could think of at the time. That's how uncreative I was at the time. So I, um, I bought a big ad in the Yellow Pages and uh, I kind of went all in. If that ad didn't work. I think I would have went bankrupt, quite frankly. I mean, it, and it wasn't a ton of money. It was maybe like $2,000 a month or like $2,500 a month, which was my entire marketing budget. And I poured it into this one Yellow Pages ad. And it did make my phone ring. I got, I got calls and I would have people into my office and we would, I would do a consultation. And uh, at the end of the consultation, I would quote the person a number. And almost universally, the person would fall out of their chair when I quoted them the number. And they didn't have the money. And I I would spend time doing the consultation, they would leave and I was not getting hired. And this happened semi-frequently. And during one, and this was kind of the moment that changed everything in terms of how I marketed During the consultation, while I was sitting there talking to this person, and they were telling me they were not gonna hire me because they couldn't afford me, um a light bulb went off in my head and that light bulb was that if if the people calling me had money they would be using their computer with internet access to search for me not the yellow pages because um the yellow pages is just a pain in the ass you've got to get a book you have to look through it you have to do all this you know, uh, searching is done a lot simpler on your phone, your smartphone or your computer. And, and in that moment, it was like a realization I had, I said, I got to get onto the internet. And I started, um, reading books about websites and I started, uh, going to SEO conferences all over the country to learn about, um, what was the, you know, the current strategies and all of that. And we started, believe it or not, building our own websites. And at the time, uh, a lot of lawyers did not have websites. It was not highly competitive on the internet. And within, I would say five or six months, I had built and optimized our own website that was number one on for search results for Philadelphia criminal defense attorneys. And um, all of a sudden I started getting calls from mothers in California whose child goes to the University of Pennsylvania and got a DUI and needs criminal representation. And before I got off the phone with that mother, who's never met me, whose child I've never met, they had paid me in full for the representation with a credit card over the phone. And that started happening. So all of a sudden, you know, the Yellow Pages cast a net that, that covered the city of Philadelphia, but the internet cast a net that covers the world. And so the the scope of my uh, marketing just became a lot greater. And all of a sudden I started getting a lot more calls. And it's not just that I got more calls, I got more calls from people that had money. Because unlike what I do now, in criminal representation, you have to be paid upfront before you do the work, right? It's a much harder sell than in personal injury where you go, all you have to do is sign this piece of paper. I'm going to take care of everything. You don't have to pay me, and if we lose, you don't owe me anything. That's a much easier sell than pay me up front this huge lump sum, and then we're going to go, go to court and see what we can do for you in your in your criminal case. And so, despite that harder sell, with the internet, um, we were able. I was I was getting clients that could pay up front, and then we, you know, um, because I'm I'm always hungry. I started building more websites. Um, And so I had three or four that ranked in the top five for criminal defense. And um, each of them might have been subspecialties or something like this, but people would submit uh, inquiries to each of them. Uh, I guess not reading the websites, not recognizing they were all mine. And then I was the only person that called them back. And so they thought I was very responsive and hired me. So I got a lot of clients that way too. That That's, that doesn't really work anymore. But it back back in two thousand five, it was the wild west. You could do a lot more.
0: Oh yeah, it, a lot less saturated. You could real you could occupy the whole first page for some terms.
1: I for sure for sure we had a lot of it. We had a lot of it. It was fun.
0: So so let's stay there. Let's stay on the marketing side. Okay. Uh, you you are incredibly knowledgeable about SEO. Yeah. Uh, to the to the degree of. of Current, to current events. What's happening? What's changing? Uh, yep. On the cusp of everything. So, first, it, and I didn't even uh, prepare you for this, but I'm going to kind of I'm going to throw a curveball here. Sure. Um, how did you start consuming and understanding SEO? Like, where did the, where did this basis of knowledge come from to understand the competitive landscape of SEO?
1: So you know desperation. Will cause people to do a lot of things, right? And so I was desperate. Is the answer I was gonna I was gonna go out of business if people didn't start calling me, and I didn't have um, a lot of money, uh, so I couldn't do I couldn't compete with the big firms in terms of television or billboards or any of. I didn't have I didn't have close to the money. I, I didn't have enough money for one billboard, let alone an advertising campaign, and so. Um, If you're not gonna give up and you wanna make it work, you figure it out. And so I started reading books. I mean, I think I literally bought SEO for dummies. I mean, that that might've been the first book I cracked on it. And then from there, you start doing Google searches, right? If I wanna appear highly ranked in Google, I need to understand how Google works. So I spent a lot of time just doing searches and seeing what kind of things popped up in Google when you did those searches so that I could kind of understand what Google was looking for and then I did searches about SEO and I started reading like just consumed everything any article I could find on any aspect of SEO. Uh, uh, whether it be uh, off site or on site or anything. I mean, I was I was consuming it. I wanted to know about it and uh, I wanted to know about it, not just because I thought it would help my website, but I I wanted to have you know there's a lot of people that sell seo right there's a lot of people that uh want to help you with this and if you don't understand the language of seo and you don't understand the relevance of what's important and what's not then it's virtually impossible to distinguish between competent and incompetent uh marketers who are trying to sell you seo product and Chris, quite frankly, that is why I hired you, my friend. Because when I Thank talked you. to you, uh, it was clear to me that you were competent. And a, an overwhelming majority of the people that I had spoken to uh, were not competent. And, and uh, they were selling cookie cutter, uh, inside the box kind of thinking, uh, SEO products that were I knew could not be successful. Because if, if what you're making for me is the same thing you're making for every other lawyer in the city, why, why is my site going to stick out? What's going to make mine different? And so, so much, in my opinion, uh, about being successful on the internet is about doing something that's different. And uh, impressing upon Google that they should look at your site a little bit harder. Because there's something, you know, if you, if you read a thousand books and 999 of them are identical, but there's one that has totally different content, just by nature, you're gonna spend more time looking at it. And so that those results are gonna be more important, probably for their consumer. And so um, I think that's what pushes my site up in the rankings, right? Is that we try to do things differently. We try to think about things differently. And, Although you're handling the back end, I very much keep this in the forefront of my mind always. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about you, Chris, is that we get to collaborate on these things and come up with great ideas.
0: Well, first, thank you for that. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things you just kept consuming it for years and you're, yeah. you're constantly on it and constantly looking for things. And I, I've heard, I found myself saying this multiple times recently, but just because your content passes a copyscape um, unique copy you know uh, evaluation doesn't mean it's unique it, it may pass it, you may get by and it's not plagiarism but it's not truly providing value so you got to do things different so you know Gabe let's let's really uh, let's just you know some quick hitters here let's break SEO down into four components yeah let's break it down into content on-site SEO which you know optimizing your site local SEO and link building so let's start with content you know, what, what's a, the main thing, and I think we might have already covered this in regards to content that you, that you look for?
1: So, um, again, I think you, you, you start with, when you're, when you're thinking about content, you have to start with, what is the consumer looking for, right? It, it, what, uh, uh, lawyers, generally, um, have a difficult time with ego. OK. And what I mean by that is they think they're really smart. Right. And so they know the answer to everything. And um, if you take that philosophy to your content, uh, you're going to be disappointed because uh, unless you get lucky. Right. I guess it's possible you could get lucky. But overwhelmingly, I think what you do is you start by saying, what is the consumer looking for and 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 proceed under the assumption that you don't know the answer to that. So you need to do some searching first and look out there and see what searches are actually being conducted and then build your content to feed the the queries, right? You're gonna gonna drive traffic to your website if you fill the, the, if you answer the question that the consumer is asking. And so start with where, what does the consumer wanna know, right? And then build that content for them. And then in terms of, you know, what what I it's got to be uh, lengthy in word, right? I mean, we want probably a couple thousand words. We want a, a nice piece of content. It's got to be well-researched. It's got to have the links to outside credible sources to give the content credibility, right? And then um, that traffic will inadvertently get you clients because a person who's inquiring about some aspect of a car accident might not even recognize that they need a lawyer but if you answer that question about that aspect of the car accident and they and then you trigger in their mind hey you know what i should probably speak to this lawyer about it well guess what you just converted a client and that person might not have even been considering talking to a lawyer prior to that so that that you know to me you start with the consumer and you work backwards That's, that's, if I was going to talk about content, that's the way I would do it.
0: Yeah. You start with that awareness component. You answer their intent, you answer their need, and then it can get, it can drive to that consideration factor, that hiring factor. So I a hundred percent agree with all of that. You know, it's got to be lengthy, robust to stand out. You you have to be different. You got to cite these credible, uh, you know, resources to, to know it's trustworthy. Um, So what about on site SEO, optimizing your website?
1: Right. So. To, to me, um, on-site SEO is, is, um, is fundamental. So if you're not, if you're not, I mean, you, you, you're not even getting out of the gate if your on-site is not optimized, right? And, and when I say optimized, I'm talking about your, your title tags, your uh, meta, meta descriptions, all of the, all of the end stuff that the consumer on the page might not actually see, but that you're feeding to Google to help them consume your content and understand what it is and where it should rank, right? And so uh, uh, that that to me is the beginning point. And if, if you don't understand uh, on-site SEO, um, you need to read about it and you need to figure it out because that that is, you know, that's, uh, that's like, you're not, your, your car isn't gonna start if you don't have the key, right? But how well it runs after that is, uh, who knows, but you're, you're not getting out of the garage without the key. And the on-site SEO is something that you just have to audit and you have to, you have to know how to audit it. You have to know how to look at the code and see if it's in there or if it's not in there and, um, and, and make sure you, you, you cross all your T's and dot all your I's. It has to be done or you're, you're not going to be successful.
0: Yep. It's all about that foundation. It's it's giving your site the opportunity to rank, the structure, the user experience, the page experience, review, schema, title tags, meta descriptions, all that goes into on-site SEO. So let, let's go to local SEO. Now there, here's yep. one where, guys, those of you listening, Gabe has ranked in the map pack uh, in, in the number one position for years. Now, he's, he's traveled back and forth uh, in those top three, but it's been a, a domination for a long period of time. So in terms of ranking in the maps and local SEO, what are, what are the, some of the things that you hold the most
1: value to? Uh, again, so um, I think a lot of attorneys think, especially, you know, if you, if you work for someone else, right, you don't have to think about marketing. You don't have to think about it all the time. But if you wanna own your own firm and you want it to be successful, you need to think about marketing and um, how you're gonna generate leads as more important than the legal work that you do. Because I tell everybody that you don't get the privilege of practicing law unless someone hires you. And there are lots of idiots in the world that make a killing in the law game, right? people I would not let represent my dog, let alone a human being, make millions of dollars. And there are Harvard trained brilliant lawyers, brilliant lawyers that could argue in front of the Supreme Court competently, who attempt to run their own firm and go broke and then have to go work for somebody else. And so uh, why do I say this? I say this because I spend time every day, every day, hours a day, thinking about my marketing, thinking about how I'm going to generate leads. And um, because I stay lead focused, my firm can be successful. I have lawyers that just do law stuff. But guess what? If they don't have work, everything else fails. It starts, it's the gasoline that runs the engine. And so I, I say that with, when we're looking at local SEO and we're looking at that map path, I digest everything about it. I look at when I'm, I I log in and I look at the back ends of my uh, uh, map listing and I try to figure out ways to optimize every conceivable aspect. There's not a single thing that I won't consider. And again, the reason is this goes back kind of what we were talking about with content is that you have to make your map listing that unique it has to stand out from the rest right there's a thousand other lawyers that want to be in that map pack what's going to make my listing stand apart from those and so if you spend your time thinking about it and 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 uh uh, digesting everything google is telling you about how to make it successful and then spend time every day working on it you'll, you'll have a successful um uh, uh Mac listing
0: absolutely absolutely and let's 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 cap this off here with link building so yeah. we know you know those votes that it, it kind of moves your content up the up the ladder what about what's a what do you look for in a high quality link
1: so um you're gonna want um, uh, a, a website with a high domain authority right and um, I like contextual links if I can get them I think they they have more value than um, you know, just a, a random link sitting on a page somewhere almost like an advertisement. You want to make sure that um you don't have too many links from the same source um or from the same page. I, I run into that problem many years back when I had, might
0: have might have put your black hat on a little bit. A
1: little bit, a little bit. And I, <laughs> and I had I had probably like 30 million links at one point and uh um it did not. It did not work out well. It didn't work out well. So the, you know, the, um, I. But I think you raise a good point, right? You want to do it ethically. You want to do it the right way. Uh, you want to make sure you build links that aren't going to hurt you, because um, that's certainly a possibility, right? You can you can you can hurt your site as much as you can help it with a link. So um, you want high domain authority, uh, high high important websites pointing at you, and if you can get that link within the context of the content of the page, I think you're, you're gonna do well. And if you can, again, that's something I spend time with. Um, I wouldn't say every day, but certainly on a weekly basis, I'm doing backlink analysis. I'm trying to find new places where we can get links to point to us. Something you gotta, every aspect of this, if you wanna be at the top of the, uh, of the mountain, it's something that you have to become semi-obsessed um, with right? Yep. It, it, you have to, it has to consume the way you think about business and the way you think about marketing. And it certainly has for me. I spend a lot of time doing it. You know, I do because I bother you all the time with my ideas. <laughs> and so, so um, if you want to be successful, but that's, I think that's true with everything, it, Chris, it, it, you know, yeah, it's no matter nice. what, you want to be a painter, you want to be whatever you want to be. If you're obsessed with it, you're going you, to, the, the people that are the most successful are the ones that dedicate themselves to it and put all their energy into it and um and so that's i try to do that
0: yeah and it's been a consistent just over a long period of time you know i i want to guys you you just have to check out gabe's site it's ranking incredibly if you want to just look at and and model a site that's set up the right way just look at gabe's site at the levin injury firm.com uh gabe i want to i want to just jump to a short other story here because i think it's really intriguing just from a uh a memorability, a branding aspect. So I love the tagline, when with Levin. Yeah. So how, is, how did that tagline come about and, and how are you utilizing it?
1: Sure. So the way that started, when I, when I first went into private practice, my uh, wife bought me a gift and it was a box of pens. And I think to this day, quite frankly, these pens are still in the criminal justice center where all the tribes, because I gave them out to everybody. But uh, on it, she came up with a tagline, um, and the tagline was "Accused of a sin, call Levin, Right, and it was it was because I was doing criminal defense at the time, and um, and I loved it, and everybody loved it. Quite frankly, that that got a pen, and and I I see clerks today still using those pens. It's hilarious. So anyway, um, when I changed my practice out of criminal into uh, personal injury, um, I was trying to think of a tagline, and. Not a lot rhymes with Levin. It just doesn't work right. And so um, I was sitting at my desk one day and it struck me, win Levin, that kind of rhymes. And I came up with the tagline, "Uh, one shot to win, call Levin. And so I was going to go with that. That was going to be the tagline. And I spoke to a guy who's a friend of mine who's in marketing and uh, does a lot of radio stuff actually. And he said, Gabe, that's too long. we got to shorten that up. Just go with win with Levin. And I was like, you know what? That's brilliant. I'm gonna take it. And that's it. That's how I came up with Win With Levin. Now we, um, you know, you'll see it all over everything.
0: Yeah, it's really memorable. And, and, and I think uh, your wife's accused of a sin called Levin. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious, dude, right, right. pretty memorable. Um, yeah, so hey, let's, let's shift to personal development. Just a couple, a uh, few final questions here. Yeah. So are, any, are there any business books that you recommend?
1: Yeah. So um, one, and I think I told you about this book a, a long time ago. One that that uh, I implemented in uh, in our file management certainly, and, and in our litigation strategies generally, is uh, the Checklist Manifesto. is a great book, and it and what it talks about. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a book about a doctor and how. Um, he utilized checklists to save lives essentially in hospitals and and dramatically reduce the rate of infection post-surgery by making sure errors didn't occur during the surgery and so um, and it kind of talks about how to make a checklist and what a good checklist is and and um, doing all those things but but I utilize that in my practice from the moment we sign up a case so there's a checklist that we made for file openings, okay? And all the things, the letters that need to go out, the, the uh, uh, getting the police report, all of these things. And then when, when, when that goes from a pre-litigation file to a litigation file, right? There's a new checklist. And so we make sure that every single thing in that checklist is completed and our software uh, kind of uh, tickles us and reminds us if we forget to do one of those things on the checklist. And so either somebody on my staff or myself, we make sure we complete everything. And so we never find ourselves at a late point in a case, having not done something early on, because we can't get to the next checklist until the first checklist is completed. The, the system won't let you. So we, we I, it, it, force, it requires us to uh, get everything done. And if you, You know, maybe not everything on that checklist is necessary in every case, but everything on that checklist needs to be thought about in every case. And if you um, do any task repetitively, you are going to create shortcuts in the way that you go about it. And shortcuts lead to mistakes and they lead to missing things. And what that checklist does is kind of slow you down and make you think about everything in every case. And even if it's just five seconds of consideration you go and you check it off and you go we don't need that in this case at least you thought about it and that way in the future uh, you know um when when you're at the end of the case that consideration wasn't missed and uh you're always prepared at the end
0: yeah i love it It, it's it's you know the the airplane pilots they had to do their run-ups they go through the checklist and trust me if you're on that (laughs) that plane you want the individual doing going through that checklist so um Great book, I, yeah, I highly recommend it as well. I read it after you recommended it to me, yeah. so it's just an excellent book. So, uh, what about your mentors or influences? Any any come to mind that uh, helped you develop?
1: I mean, I I don't know that any of the names would necessarily ring a bell, but some, you know, some of the great trial lawyers. Um, I'm 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 captivated with um, trial advocacy and the um, kind of the art form that goes into presenting a position and how you make that, um, that case compelling and emotional and connect to the jury. And so, you know, when, when I was in law school, I, I was a big fan of Johnny Cochran. I, you know, um, I, I found, uh, you know, everybody jokes that, um, uh, you know, Johnny Cochran is kind, of, uh, kind of almost a comical figure. Um, but if you listen to his presentations, if you listen to his closing arguments, um, he is captivating, captivating. I had a uh, quick story. I had a, a law school professor, brilliant woman, um, uh, uh, went to Yale for, for law school, was a U.S. attorney, and she, and she taught me criminal law. She is actually one of the professors, I would say, who was responsible for me starting my career as a criminal lawyer. But, so she was telling a story one day in class that she was in the courthouse and uh, she had heard that Johnny Cochran was giving a closing argument. And she wanted to see it. I mean, everybody wanted to see it. So she uh, got to the courtroom and he had already started. He was about maybe 10 or 15 minutes into what turned out to be about an hour and a half long closing argument. And she said that at the end, now she didn't know any of the evidence. She hadn't heard from any of the witnesses. She didn't know anything about the case. She said at the end of his closing argument, she was convinced that his client was innocent. and. This is coming from a US attorney. So, so someone who really has very re- little reasonable doubt, right, and thinks everybody's guilty and their job is to prosecute people all day long. She listened to Johnny Cochran, not knowing any of the facts and was convinced he was innocent. And so that tells you how powerful, right, um, uh, he was as a speaker. And, and, it's, and you know that's, that's what you try to shoot for when you're, when you're communicating with the jury is to be that compelling. That,
0: that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, he's just a, a great storyteller, and, oh. and, yeah, and he's connected. And if, But it's
1: even more than the story. It's his. It's the cadence, the way he delivers it. The the understanding that sometimes not saying anything at all is more powerful than speaking. He he was incredible at dramatic pauses. Hmm. I mean, he could just sit silent for ten seconds, and and it was emotional. But he, but he's not saying anything. It was. He was just a, a phenomenal uh, uh, orator, a phenomenal speaker, and um, as a result, obviously, very successful lawyer, very, very compelling, persuasive uh, attorney. Absolutely.
0: Gabe, one final question here. Yeah. Is, is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed?
1: I don't think so, Chris. Um, I've been with you a long time. I think I was one of your first clients, so I'm yeah. happy to still be with you. And uh, I appreciate everything you do for me. I'm I'm happy uh, uh, happy to participate in this interview and help you any way I can. Thanks for listening to the Rankings Podcast. We'll see you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.